0: You're listening to the Mentor Talk Show. I'm your host. Actually, this week, you have both of us as your hosts. I'm Fatima Al-Sayed.
1: And I'm Imran Duramsi. And today is the special Meet the Hosts show. Um, So we just wanted to do an episode where we talk more about um, our journeys and the journey of the show and where we're heading in the future.
0: Inshallah. Um, And it's really great to have Imran here to learn more about him and Just a little sneak peek into how he got into the show, (laughs) which is a very (laughs) funny story.
1: Yeah, and same for you, Fatima. And and I think if we throw up this slide here, um, Fatima, you're a journalist who aims to bring more awareness about your community through storytelling. And I think we'll talk a lot more about that um, specifically.
0: Inshallah. And Imran, um, as a first year uh, student at Brown University, you enjoy bringing a teenage viewpoint to the Mentor talk show, which is uh, a very interesting um, new thing that we brought in. So I'm excited to discuss that more.
1: Yes, definitely, inshallah. Okay. Um, So why don't we start, Fatima, with your education? How did you get into journalism and where did you go to school?
0: Sure. So during high school, I actually wanted to become first an engineer, then an architect. Um, I actually applied for both programs. I during my application process I started really thinking about my career and um, the future of what I wanted to do um, and I realized architecture wasn't for me. Um, I still applied for engineering just to show that like my parents that I can get in
1: um,
0: <laughs> and I did get in but mm-hmm. at the time I also just sent applications for um, journalism and there was a program that was a joint program with UFT and Centennial College. And what a joint program is, is um, we did our first two years at University of Toronto. And then we did a year and a half at Centennial College and then a half. So one semester back at UFT, and then our internships. Um, so we had the whole like college diploma. We had a university um, degree, so Bachelor of Arts at the end. Um, and that was a really great program.
1: That's interesting. So talk about maybe your internships. Was that only in your final semester or did you also do some in your summers?
0: So we could apply to internships during the summers, but I chose not to. Um, there was reasons behind that. Um, in the first, first year of Centennial program, I was actually in a car accident. And that really did act, um, it really limited me in uh, the physical things I could do and where i could go and mentally i was very tired so i chose to wait until the end of my program um and i actually applied for two internships uh one at post media and one at the cbc mm-hmm. and i got both of them which was really cool wow
1: so did you do um were these two that you applied for at once and then did one and then the other or
0: yeah yeah okay. so you do the first one and then you go into the second internship afterwards you can't do both at one time
1: i see okay so um Maybe if we want to talk about the application process for the Mm -hmm. internships, what's the biggest piece of advice you'd give someone in journalism who's trying to apply to, you know, places similar to where you applied?
0: I think really get those recommendation letters. Um, As much as you work on your resume and your cover letter and everything, you really do need that. But the thing that's going to pull you out, um, I think, and make you that better candidate is getting that High recommendation from your profess- professors um, because they're the ones that know your skills and they're the ones that can really tell what you're what you're really good at um, and what you can you know excel in within that field. Um, I my internships were very different. One the fi- the National Post one was actually um, done with the Financial Post and um, with the National Post um, and that internship I did writing. I did some video work. And I did a lot of um, like actual uh, live streams and a lot of hands-on experience with um, live video, um, Mm -hmm. which is actually a lot harder than you'd think because you have like several cameras set up in different um, angles, and you have to switch. You have those switchboards switching between both um, every single person that's talking and the views. And I think Imran knows a little bit about this because he was part of the process of. If you can tell us about that, and Imran, your first StreamYard experience.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so we actually decided to switch the show to StreamYard. Um, I think it's like two, three months ago mm-hmm. um, because Zoom just kept crashing on us. Um, and so the first show, I don't really know why we decided to do this, but the first show, <laughs> we decided to um, literally fill up StreamYard, have six people um, on the show and just do like a whole episode about all the things that are happening at mm-hmm. Um And it was crazy um, leading up to the show, um, getting all the PowerPoints and all the text and everything already. Um, And then I remember the beginning of the show, Fatima, if you wanna talk about that, it was very funny.
0: (laughs) The beginning of the show, I think I didn't know that we were live and all of a sudden my computer died Um, or it froze, I think. And everyone was like, she's freezing up. We can't hear her, we can't see her. Um, And then my mic, wasn't working and my camera just stopped. Like it just did not want to respond with my <laughs> laptop. So I had to switch over and my brother has a different MacBook so the wires wouldn't plug in. Right. So then I had to switch back. And then <laughs> at the same time we were planning for my wedding um, and my fiance was here and I think he was outside with my dad helping out with like preparations and stuff. And they were re-putting in the bricks and whatever. And then he cut himself outside and he's calling me to come in, like come help him, give him a bandaid. And I'm like, I can't, I can't, I'm doing the show. And I ran back in the room. And then I sit down, I'm like, mm, we're live. Okay. <laughs> so you're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. <laughs> yeah. And it was our first live video, um, like video feed, which
1: was Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and first live video feed and um first blooper. So Oh yeah. But, and yeah. first
0: time, we had six people on.
1: Yes. It, it went well though, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: other than that it went
1: very well yeah, other that, after that we got to um <laughs> i think it kind through. of broke the ice yeah that definitely. was my goal because now it's like when there's two people it's it's like nothing yeah. compared to the yeah, yeah. when it was exactly. craziness. yeah mm-hmm. yeah um okay so uh working at post media and cbc um i guess the two biggest two of the biggest media corporations in canada mm-hmm. um how was that environment Um, for you? I know a lot of people have some very charged opinions about it. Mm
0: -hmm. It was very different. Both internships were very different. I think Mm -hmm. the post-media internship, the most, the first thing I noticed when you, when I walked into the room was, wow, everyone is white. (laughs) Um, And that was kind of um, a, I don't know. It was a weird um, experience to like see that every single person in the room was, um, you know, not a person of color. And if right. they were a person of color, they looked very white. Um, so the Asian or, you know, and the only hired brown person in the room was someone who was working on international affairs. Um, and then the rest of the the like people of color on the team were the
1: interns. Um, I see. So, so I, basically their diversity quota.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I looked at my, my coworker and I was like, okay, so we're, we make up their POC scale, right? Like we're, yeah. we're the number that they give at the end of the year, you know, we're diverse. Um, CBC is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, CBC, you see a lot of uh, people who are of different backgrounds, of different ethnicities. You see a lot of that. Um, and it was very, a very different experience. I think uh, people are, um, both internships, very welcoming and very, like, um, there and very helpful. Um, but CBC, I think that the stories differed a little bit, um, the types of stories that were told. But I still think that with every single type of corporate media, there's always limitations and there's always some censorship. And you can't get away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very hard to... Um, to get across stories from your community if you're not I if do. your community isn't very prevalent um, because they just think it won't matter to the general public
1: that it won't sell mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, yeah i see okay um and so i remember you were telling me that you have a lot of other hobbies that don't might not have the clearest connection to journalism oh yeah
0: completely yeah, and you different had,
1: <laughs> you have a really interesting reason for um deciding that it was, I guess, okay to, mm-hmm. to pursue those hobbies. So mm-hmm. could you talk a little bit about that?
0: Sure, so I'm actually a microblading artist um, and I got certified in that when I was in university in my second year um and then i'm working with walshik Vol- which is a hijab company and within walshik i do a lot of uh, just like the back end of the business and i work mm-hmm. with like warehouses and i work with the online stock and i work with um even just designing and photographing like i'm a- i'm also a photographer on the side um and Yeah. And right now I'm working towards expanding my microblading business into more like permanent makeup tattoos and um, lash lifting, eyebrow lamination, all of that kind of stuff. Um, Just because right now I think COVID is um, (laughs) really straining us all. Right, right. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. The reason I actually chose to do this, I was applying for jobs for a while after. So I graduated and then I got engaged literally the week after graduation. Um, And I just finished my internship. So I was applying for jobs and it was actually like this big turn in my life where I was like, okay, I'm applying now. I'm trying to get into the industry. Um, But it was also hard because I did still have, I was dealing with like the, I think I put off dealing with the, the, I think the effects that the accident had on me um, until that year and I just, everything started coming back again and I just didn't, like I, I there was a lot, um, it was very heavy at the time. So applying for jobs was difficult and journalism is really about creating connections and meeting up with people and seeing people um, in person and making a good, like being very, um, I think it's just really about that networking and, you know, being there face to face. Um, And that was something that I wasn't able to do at the time. Mm -hmm. So when I got the opportunity to work with Volchik, I was like, you know what, this is something that, okay, I get this thing that I can do from home. And I believe from doing the talk show, what I learned from people's career journeys is that there's never one way to do anything and people some people surprise you and they go into the weirdest things that have nothing to do with what their careers are and then you realize wow you know this and this brought them into what career journey they're doing now um and what you know what they chose for their life so i was like okay this is part of allah's plan And I'm just going to go with um, whatever I get, whatever skills I have, I'm going to use them. And it'll be a way maybe to get business experience, maybe to be able to later on build um, a business. And business really does go hand in hand in journalism Mm -hmm. because the journalism... I think the whole industry is changing and you have to be your own person. You have to be um, creating your own content now. Um, it's a little different than it was before where you, you could only be a journalist if you were you know, hired by um, a company. Now um, with social media and everything, you, anyone can go on and mm-hmm. you know, share stories and tell stories. It's the way that you retell these stories and the way that you, I think, build up your your name that's what really counts, um, and that's what I found very interesting about the opportunity that I got with um, Emoja, which was right. you know something that I started within that year as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, and how about so you were telling us you've had a crazy last few years, mm-hmm. and and all of that going into the global pandemic. Mm-hmm. So how has all of that affected your future plans? <laughs>
0: Um, so originally I was supposed to get married in April and then that was pushed all the way to July. Um, yeah. and then it, it sort of just like switched everything. Cause you have uh-huh. this plan of, you know, I'm going to move here and then I'm going to start searching for jobs and I'm going to do this. And now there's like, what jobs are you going to search for during a global pandemic? Um, and then you also have just everything. I don't know. It's, it's a very weird uncertain time. And I think you can also tell us about that within your schooling. What changed?
1: Right. Um- So um, my university decided that first years aren't going to matriculate until January. Mm -hmm. Um, So they gave us one free course in the fall, but we're going to be doing like three semesters in a row. It'll be um, like winter and then spring and then the next fall. And like summer break next year is going to be maybe at most three weeks. So it it is a huge change.
0: And you don't start university. I mean, this is your first year, right?
1: Yeah, this is my first year. So I won't really be starting a full course load until January.
0: Okay, so you're not really enrolled just yet. Not, not <laughs>
1: technically yet. We're spe- special enrollment right now. Only mm-hmm. one course. Yeah. So
0: what are you? What are you um, studying? Your your program is a bit unique because it's different than other um, programs and how they're structured.
1: Right. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, sometimes I guess I would joke and say I'm studying nothing. Even though it's not, obviously, that's not true. But um, so I'm technically undeclared, and every mm-hmm. student. Um, at Brown is undeclared until, um, maximally until the end of their second year, because um, Brown has something called an open curriculum. Um, So you go in as um, something, maybe you have an interest, like for example, in my case, I put down biology when I applied. Um, But as you go along, the idea is that you sort of use the courses and experience you have on campus to shape your interest. Um, And so the thing with the open curriculum is that you're encouraged to get out of your comfort zone. Um, and once that happens, there's a wide array of majors and also a build your own major program um, that you can choose. Um, and so you really have a lot of time to decide what you actually wanna study. And once you get into it, odds are like you've already, once you decide what you wanna major in, majoring, odds are you've already taken some of the courses um, that, you, that fulfill the major requirements. Mm-hmm. And also if you um, choose a BA, there are only 10 courses, so you can finish it very easily in your last two years. So yeah, that's, that's the open curriculum. <laughs> what do you plan on doing? What's your interests? Um, so right now um, I'm planning on doing biology, but mm-hmm. I also have interest in economics and maybe political science. Um, so I'm not totally sure yet, but I'm looking for a way to combine them. Um, one of the interesting things I was looking at is health economics. Um, Mm -hmm. so like if you build your own major, you submit a 20 page proposal, um, with all like your teacher, professor recommendation Mm -hmm. and a 10 course outline. Um, but if you can go through that and really prove that that's something you want to do, um, it's possible to do a build your own major in health economics and then like a second major, um, or we call it concentrations in, uh, Mm -hmm. political science or something like that. So that might be a, a possible path.
0: Did you have your eye on different opportunities before COVID pushed everything back? Like, did you, were you looking for internships? Were you planning on doing anything like that?
1: So not this summer, but I was Mm -hmm. kind of planning that (laughs) I want to do something, obviously, over this, over next summer. Mm -hmm. Um, But now that next summer has kind of, it's nothing now, it's only two weeks. (laughs) Um, I decided, I guess I'll have to push off an internship search until the following summer. They did release a list of, internships that they have this fall, but I don't really have any Mm -hmm. courses under my belt or any university experience. So those are mostly for upperclassmen.
0: So you're basically going to be doing two years, like all scrunched into a year and a half, right? Or like a year? Yeah. (laughs)
1: Not a year, year, but like a year year and a a a half. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's going to be
1: very... (laughs) Overwhelming, <laughs> but I think um, there's a good part to it in that mm-hmm. um, once I finish two years, it's very likely, or I will have to declare a major, so I'll yeah. know what what I want to do. Um, yeah. So it'll make searching for internships after the second year probably mm-hmm. easier than it would have been after the first year. So at least that's a, a positive of of uh, doing doing it like that.
0: Yeah, always look on yeah. the bright side. That's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you've done a lot of things for Emoja um, and you've been put into a lot of um, I think you're similar in the in the sense that you'll take on those opportunities even if you don't know um, how to do it yeah So can you tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah so I guess um, if we want to start with the website uh, yeah I helped uh, the back end people specifically Faison do the front end of the website Mm -hmm. Um, but the only experience I had prior to that with WordPress was like Editing the You Mentor uh, Listen Live page, typing in the right things, and uploading the right picture. That that was like my only experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a challenge to do the entire website with uh, WordPress in a week. But I learned WordPress enough that the website the website um, turned out okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and then from there. You were volunteered by me to get into Emoja and that's how you became our teen host. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. how how did you feel at the time when I was like, "Okay, um, so let's do a teen talk show," and Imran will be the yeah. host?
1: <laughs> <laughs> a little bit overwhelmed, um, but I think I think the teen talk show is a really good idea, and I'm happy to host it um, because it's so important to like, get those questions answered mm-hmm. that a lot of teenagers face. Um, And um, I think like being a teenager myself, I can kind of bring those questions directly to not only teenagers, but also Mm -hmm. professionals. So so great idea. (laughs) Yeah,
0: you can can relate, I think, to that age range more because you know what they're going through and you're going through it yourself. So you have those questions as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And how was your first interview and how has it developed since then?
1: First interview was um, it went well. I think it was on Zoom. So mm-hmm. or no, I think it was on Instagram Live. So we had some oh, yeah. some yeah. technical issues, um, but we had a, a good amount of interest. Um, and I think it was uh, our developer brother Faisan and sister Zainab, um, mm-hmm. who was interested in I think it was biology. So mm-hmm. they were both very interesting speakers. Um, and my favorite interview so far actually was last week's or two weeks ago with brother Jihad because. I feel like um, he uh, was really calling for more Shia youth involvement mm-hmm. in, on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. So asking him the questions that um, might <laughs> actually help increase that, that involvement um, mm-hmm. is pretty valuable.
0: And this was our crossover episode where you did a um, You Mentor talk show episode, and I did yeah. a You Mentor teen show episode.
1: Right, exactly. What did oh. you think about that um, the teen
0: show? Um, it was very interesting, actually, because you get to speak with someone who is still in the process of building their career. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, when I interview people, I'm looking for you know those unique things that led them into their careers now. Um, and they they tell me, you know, oh, I remember back in university, yeah. I did blah, 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 in order to get to here. Um, and I never knew that this would affect this, you know. And to be able to speak to someone who's in that process right now where they don't know what's going to affect their future, that was very interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, okay, and I think um, we didn't talk about how you got started with the show yet. So yeah. Tell us maybe a little bit more about that. And also, Um, you started to say a little bit about how getting um, involved with Emoja is a way for you to tell your stories that Mm -hmm. you might not have been able to tell um, Mm -hmm. at larger media outlets. Mm -hmm. That would be good to touch on, too.
0: So um, starting with how I got on the show, I was actually, someone reached out to me from Emoja.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I think I was, um, someone recommended me or mentioned my name or that I was still, I was still studying journalism. I had just landed my internships um, and I was about to go into uh, just finishing that year and then doing the internships Um, and they were calling me every week, like (laughs) almost every week, just sister Fatima, can you please like let us know, are you interested? We can sit with you and talk more and I didn't know anything about Emoja at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I really got to learn what Emoja is about, Um, And especially when I came to the emoji games, I was like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Um, And Mm -hmm. alhamdulillah, at the time I actually did um, Akhira. So do you know what that is? No? Um, Where you ask someone to look into the Quran to give you if you should go on this journey or not. And Ah, it turned out very good. And I was like, okay, so we're going to go with this. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was like, one of the things that like pushed me as well into it and it was very um a very rewarding process and a very rewarding experience uh so far alhamdulillah um your second question was
1: um how has umodra helped you tell the stories that you haven't been able to tell at (laughs) media outlets
0: yeah so i did pitch some stories to um different outlets and i think the response i was getting is that you know we really do care about the stories and really do care about what you're telling us but you know, right now it's not timely or it doesn't make, mm-hmm. it doesn't work within our um, viewership or it doesn't, right. you know, and it's understandable because I wanted to tell the stories of, you know, the Shia Muslims within our community. Cause I think that mm-hmm. our stories are a little undertold. Um, we don't have that many people there telling the stories that, you know, matter to our community. Um, and I think in my position as a journalist within you know, in the Western society, I think I have a responsibility to do, really shine a light on those stories and bring those people up within um, the media and give them, a, I think, a platform um, and a area to really shine and show their skills and what they're doing. Um, and I think Emoja did exactly that, exactly what I was looking for. Um, which is why I love talking to every single person every week and learning from their experiences and learning from their stories. It's more about really just highlighting these people within our community who are doing amazing, amazing things. Um, And these are the stories you don't usually hear. Um, And I think that we have unique struggles. Um, I went through some of those struggles and I think uh, one of the most jarring things, I haven't told you this Imran yet, but um, at the CBC actually one time Mm -hmm. I was in the elevator and there was someone who was wearing a Trump hat, Trump supporter hat. Oh
1: my gosh. Um,
0: And there were uh, like four other people in the elevator.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: when they left, I was—I good thing I was with someone at the time. Like oh I was God. with a friend um, from CBC as well. And this man came like really close, and he's like, "What did he say at the time?" He he said, "Have a good day." Like a very like oh my gosh. very very creepy like uh-huh. just. Have a good day. And he walked out of the elevator, and the whole time he's just looking at me. So I walk out and I go to the producer on the radio show I was part of at the time, and he's like, "This is really serious. Like, like we've seen this person around, but he's mm-hmm. never interacted with anyone like this." Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's part of being a visible Muslim um, working in uh, big media. I think you know we really do need to start raising the awareness um, and raising these issues and showing people who we really are um, which is part of like why I really like um, what Emoja does and you know, what we're trying to bring forward through the, through the talk shows.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I've never Hmm. heard that's true, but that's interesting. Oh, um, you should hear the stories of the
0: things (laughs) that happened during school. Oh my God. There's so much, I think micro, there's so many microaggressions Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of interesting that, You know, we go through these at the time and you think that, oh, this is normal. You know, Um, like I pitched a story once in class and there was someone who came from a news media outlet and he was the person who was judging our stories. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was a story I came up with with like um, an African, a Jamaican and um, someone who is Somalian. Yeah. Okay. And this is like four different backgrounds and I'm Lebanese um, and we're bringing like this multicultural, um, our, our magazine at the time that we were creating is Half Here, Half There. And it's to tell the experience of first generation Canadians um, living in Canada where they feel like half their roots are back home and half their roots are here in Canada. And I think this is an experience that we can all understand. Um, and interestingly enough, um, when I, we pitched this to our teacher who was very white, she was like, you know, I don't understand the basis of this. Um, and that really tells how, how
1: <laughs> of course I think she wouldn't, she's, yeah. um, she's not in those shoes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we had to like really fight for it and tell right, her, you right. know, this is so important. This is exactly mm-hmm. how we all feel. And she's like, really, are you sure? Like, this is what you guys want to do. And I'm like, yes, this is going to resonate with a lot of people. <laughs> Um, and I think that yeah. really tells mm-hmm. exactly what, you know, what's going on with me in the National Post and at CBC and different places, um, pitching these stories, because it is a very different experience that some people don't understand. Um, anyway, so we're pitching a documentary um, video, and I was told to go up. And when I pitched it and came back and sat down, afterwards, the teacher was like, or the person who was uh, judging her. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> stories he said you know this is how we do it um this is how we tell stories like proper way to tell stories or at least this is how we do it in the west and he looked straight at me and I looked around the room yeah wow. I
1: looked
0: looked around the room at the time and I was like okay so I'm like is this am I in the east side of the room like I don't understand Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is it do you think and a lot of teachers just thought I was like an immigrant um even after my car accident they were like Are you? Do you have insurance? Are you good? Like, my God! Oh
1: my gosh!
0: Yeah. So it's 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 this like preconceived ideas and things that you. I really just, I couldn't deal with a lot of them, and I just, Mm -hmm. really ignored some of them. Um, and some of my great friends stood up and actually, said a lot of things. Um, I don't know if you've experienced things like this within your school or within in general in society.
1: Not particularly, but um, (laughs) like you said, when you see um, symbols of like Trump hats, Trump Mm -hmm. flags, those type of things, um, a lot of the areas surrounding Allentown are very rural, so there are a lot of of Trump supporters, and I feel like they have the tendency to look at a world just one way, like with a lot of Like maybe like with tunnel vision um mm-hmm. and so a lot of my friends have had a lot of stories like that who have who have um kind of experienced stuff like that and um it's not like explicit they kind of um they will be nice to you up front but oh, then yeah. they'll kind of turn around and like you you know like you know when when that sort of thing is going on mm-hmm. but um but yeah I and agree. you
0: feel wrong in your gut but people around you don't understand why you feel that way And that's the hardest part of
1: it, I think, because
0: you look around and you're like, did you see what just happened? And no
1: one else saw. And it's only you who's kind of, um, I know exactly, who's like, who's kind of like, I know exactly what is happening Mm -hmm. here. I know exactly what that person turned around and said or turned around or is thinking. But I guess. Like I I, I was actually, one example,
0: (laughs) I was showing a picture um, to my, one of my professors in uh, college and he was our photography professor. Um, Because of his like, like really like just microaggressions all the time. Mm -hmm. I ended up with a hundred in the course just to show him, like I was like determined to get perfect. And I was the one helping everyone, but it was, I was showing him this picture of um, someone in Lebanon who was holding on their back, you know, like how they like lean down and pour um, like this kind of uh, drink. And it was, um, he was holding on his back and there was a sunset. Mm -hmm. And then the (laughs) professor looked at me, he's like, this kind of looks like a bomb. Is that a bomb? And I'm like,
1: Oh my God.
0: <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? Ow. And I looked at, I'm like, Oh my God. I really wish there was <laughs> someone standing with me to, just to hear that. Like, are you, I don't know what to say.
1: That's, 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 um, wow. That's not even a microaggression. Though. No, no,
0: that's like just that's out there, totally
1: like... explicit out there. Like, <laughs> and yeah, I'm like,
0: are you like, why, why would you think it's a bomb? He's like, it looks like it. And I'm like, I literally just told you that this is a type of drink and they (laughs) hold it on their backs with like little cups and stuff, Uh, cups, and they pour from there. And I'm like, it's culture, you know, it's a cultural thing. Um, I don't know, but yeah, let's (laughs) talk a little bit. I think it's just important to raise these kinds of issues because a lot of people do go through these things and we don't discuss them that much. Um, and I think that's something that I love about the talk show is that we can hear those unique experiences, you know, um, things that, you know, in school, um, I, there's one quote that always sticks with me. It's, um, uh, I think Sister Zainab's quote, where she said, let, l- find what like motivates you and let it set your soul on fire. Um, and I think this is the stuff that really does push me and motivate me. Um, And that's what really sets my soul on fire. So that's what I love about doing the show. Um, (laughs) So for you, um, I think we've hit 30 minutes, but we can Mm -hmm. go over a little bit. Um, I was going to ask, is it harder now doing your um, school due to COVID? Like, I know that you're part of doing applications and helping people with their application process. So I really want to know a little bit more about what has changed in the application process because of COVID?
1: Okay, sure. Um, So not doing school, but the actual getting into university. getting into
0: school. And then we can talk a little bit about you doing school and what that's changed. We talked about it a bit, but I think just the application process.
1: Sure, so um, even before COVID, there's so much stuff that goes into the application process. There is your GPA, um, all your classes, in in the form of your transcript, your clubs, in the form of activities. Mm -hmm. Um, You need recommendation letters from, sometimes they say two teachers and a community leader, or sometimes they might even ask you to ask your friend for a rec letter, Um, obviously personal statement, which is a 650 word Mm -hmm. essay. Um, And for each college you apply to, especially if they're selective, they have like two or three supplemental essays um, for every single one. Not, and then and then that's not even including your testing. So in addition to all that, you also have to worry about um, your SAT, your ACT, your AP scores. Your Sometimes they require subject tests. And so I guess that part has been made a little bit easier because a lot of schools are going test optional or test blind. What does that problem. mean? So it means that you can choose to submit a test or not when before okay. you had to submit a test, that's test optional. Test blind is that um, they won't even look at tests. So, um, with test blind, it's actually a lot easier to um, imagine what the weighting is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because if they're not considering tests, you kind of just think they'll consider everything else. Um, a lot happier, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it'll kind of be distributed. But if it's test optional, um, a lot of applicants are wondering um, if they don't submit a test, um, are they going to be put at a disadvantage as compared to someone who does submit a test? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if, they, if that does happen, that completely defeats the purpose of going test optional. Mm-hmm. The reason they're test optional is because for a lot of students, um, they, maybe they plan to take the SAT in March. March got canceled. April got canceled. May got canceled. June got canceled. August got canceled. And some test centers are just opening up right now. Yeah. Um, and so everyone's, everyone's getting pushed back. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the deadlines are not getting pushed back. It's November 1st and January 1st.
0: Oh, wow. So how are they supposed to, how are they expected to do their tests and then also apply at the same time?
1: Yeah, so that that's why um, a lot of schools went test optional. So if you haven't, let's say you haven't done your test, maybe in your area, COVID is um, very bad and all the test centers are closed. That's, um, you can't apply to any schools that require tests, basically, mm-hmm. because you don't have them. And um, you're left wondering what's going to happen to your chances when you don't submit a test to a test optional mm-hmm. school. So, so yeah, um, it's it was crazy before and now it's even more crazy. So,
0: <laughs> Is it harder for people to get into schools that they thought would be easy to get into? Like, you know, um, when you just apply to the closest school because it's beside your house and, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in some cases, um, let's say someone, maybe they're not so good at writing, um, Mm -hmm. maybe their activities are not that great, um, but they have a pretty solid test score and a decent, um, maybe a little bit below average, but decent GPA. Mm -hmm. um, They would have a pretty good chance of getting into their local um, like community college, for example. Well, not community college, those are still easy, but maybe like the, the local branch of their state school um, so, for example, if your state school is like Penn State, um, then maybe your local branch would be like Penn State, Lehigh Valley or something like that. Mm-hmm. You'd have a pretty clear shot into there. But now with a lot of those places, even going test optional, um, a lot of them are also requiring you to write a personal statement and sometimes even supplemental mm-hmm. essays. So sometimes where you might have thought, oh, your test scores and your GPA will carry you in to this school. Now you, you have to put in some more work and deal with more. Um, uncertainty over whether you'll actually get in or not. So, so yes.
0: <laughs> that must be very um, difficult for students to deal with. And if anyone is dealing with this, Imran's here to help.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can, you can reach out to me. <laughs> or all of, of course, um, Brother Taha, I remember we had mm-hmm. him. He's a part of the Inspire platform on the yes. app. So he was a great resource to reach out to.
0: Can you tell us quickly about the Inspire platform?
1: Sure. So the Inspire platform is in the Umoja app on the Play Store and App Store. Um, and it's a platform where um, students can ask professionals questions within the Shia community. Um, so it's like Quora, but for professionals and students and within our community. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the guests that we've had over the past few months have actually are actually already on there. Um, so if you see a talk show that you might really resonate with um, and you want to ask the speaker a question, just open the Emoja app, create an account and, and message them and and um, they'll get a notification. So it's as easy as that. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And this is something that is an incredible um, thing that Emoja has worked on for a while, um, the professional directory where we have um, the directory filled with mm-hmm. all of the professionals that we've had on the show before, um, which is super important because I think even for me when I was um, in school, I did not find the people around me who, you know, could be those mentors who maybe could have helped me to navigate um, the things that I was going through um, and navigate, you know, those experiences better, I think. Um, So I think that is really um, helpful in terms of, you know, reaching out to people who are like you, who have those similar experiences. Um, And it's always better to you know, I think the, the piece of advice that we've always gotten in the show is reach out to your community members. If you know someone right. within your community doing, you know, one, two, three, reach out to them because they're the ones that are going to care about your future more than anyone else. Um, and they're the ones that are going to help you because, you know, communities stick together.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. I um, mean, maybe one thing I wanted to add, um, yeah. one final thing before we conclude, um, is that in the show, you um, it's pretty evident from you know if you listen to a lot of the the podcasts that mm-hmm. um, every almost everyone um, has a very curvy path toward their oh, end yeah. career goal, um, and it's not us who are asking them to frame their story in that way. That's yeah. just how their story is organically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think Fatima, you are talking about um, your yeah. microblading hobbies, for example. Um, it might not look like it's related to journalism. Um, but eventually you'll take something from it and, I'm yeah. sure, incorporate it into, you know, whatever you do. It could be skills, it
0: could be communication, yeah. and it could be anything, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I think you learn a lot from different experiences. And it's funny you bring that up because, you know, when we when I prep for the pre-interviews, um, I'm talking with people. I just don't give them a guide. I tell them, you know, start mm-hmm. telling me your story. Um, and they start to mention things and they start to talk about their experiences and what they went through and where they went. and then. Um, organically, like you said, it just evolves and it goes into um, this, like, I think web of like different things that they did in order to get right. to this yeah. like, final point of where they are right now, um, which is, I think, the most interesting thing. And it's it's cool that you saw that, you know, being um, behind the scenes mm-hmm. and also being in front of the screen. So that's um, something you told yeah. me you discovered,
1: right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. I think... Thinks that was so, good. So,
0: before we end, I have to ask my famous question. Okay. What is your final piece of advice <laughs> for our listeners?
1: Okay. Um, I would I'd probably target it to high school seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> look for an open curriculum and apply to universities with an open curriculum. Um, we were talking just now about how so many career paths are um, so curvy and all over the place that If you have the power to um, change the university that you go to, to somewhere that's maybe more open to um, uh, career or like majors that are less conventional, maybe they have a build your own major program. Um, Maybe they don't require you to apply to a particular faculty um, right from the start. Um, You should definitely do that because I think that um, having that is, is so valuable because there's space to um, change what you're interested in and actually have that um, manifest in what you're studying. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's my final piece of advice. And Fatima, Thanks. what's your what's your final <laughs> piece of advice?
0: <laughs> I think don't limit yourself. Um, don't ever say you know I don't I'm not experienced or qualified enough to do this. Um, go with your gut. See what feels right for you and. Um, if you can get your hands on it and you can do it, then do it. I think that is the most important thing that I've learned throughout um, my experiences because you don't know where things are going to lead you and what plan Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has in store for you. You know, We plan as much as we can, but Allah is the greatest of planners.
1: Yes, definitely. Okay.
0: So you were just listening to the YouMentor Talk Show. Um, if you miss this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the YouMentor website under Prior Talk Shows.
1: We're also available on SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, and also, of course, in the Moja app. So um, make sure you're listening to us there. And again, if you hear something that you really resonate with, a speaker you really resonate with, make sure you ask a question to them in the Inspire app, because almost all of them are on there. Um, and also join us n- uh, October 10th, not next Saturday, mm-hmm. um, at 3 p.m. on YouTube Live for another you Mentor talk show. Thank, and you, thank you so yes. much, everyone, for tuning in. Yes.